0: Children of the homeless parents. Children of homeless parents. Did you know that within the school that my wife teaches at, the Washington Elementary, that there's a volunteer program that comes in there just to help kids, and this is grade school kids, just to help kids who uh, don't have a home in our community, live in cars and other kinds of things. It's it's an it's really an epidemic in our community, and I don't use that word just to be like the shock and awe kind of thing. There's an epidemic in our community, <clears throat> and um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit here in a second, but children of homeless parents are being dropped off at the Canyon City Public Library. Sometimes they are forgotten, and oftentimes they are not fed. People can be seen living in small camp trailers, or makeshift shelters, and abandoned chicken coops. Heroin is now the drug of choice in Fremont County. And there is an increase in heroin overdose related to these, or related in heroin related um, deaths. These challenges and others were discussed Tuesday with local leaders um, who shared the issues facing Fremont County residents during the rural philanthropy days, um, listening tour at City Hall. This event was hosted by the Upper Arkansas Council of Government. Kenya City Police Chief Paul Schultz said, Fremont County faces some unique challenges. He said, I never thought I would see in my own career heroin come back, and it's back with a vengeance in our own area. From what I am hearing, it is prevalent in all of southern Colorado, not just Canyon City. Heroin has replaced meth as the drug of choice, he said. We are actually seeing heroin overdoses here in Canyon City, which is a problem. Um, and and um, it happens. There was there's a, a little boy that used to come to church here. He's in, I think, the second grade, and his mom actually, my wife, um, uh, uh, is had him in her class, and his mom this weekend just died of heroin overdose too. He has no dad. And his mom just died of heroin overdose. Um, anyway, that's on a side note. It's, it's not a problem that's far off. It is here. It sounds like a big city kind of a thing, but it's here. He goes on to say, we actually see heroin over deaths here in Kenya City, which is a problem. He said, it has a down, it has a, a, a down effect where people steal and sell the stolen property to buy drugs. It's just a vicious circle. The Kenya City Police Department has assigned a full time drug investigator to work on the issue, Schultz said. He said the rate of incest and sexual assault, especially against children, is the highest Schultz has seen anywhere. Humbly adding that there are enough cases that he could assign, he has enough cases that he could assign every detective in his department or in the in, in Kenya City Police Department to handle these. Crimes full time. There's no, he's saying there's so many um, uh, sexual assaults and incest crimes being committed that there's so many files that he could take every one of his detectives in in the department and still not be able to handle the workload that they have there. He said they're not decreasing, they are horribly sad cases and very difficult to investigate. Some long term ramifications for all involved in a very long drawn out judicial, judicial system, he said. We are sometimes seeing two or three a week. Schultz said there is no child advocacy center in Fremont County and there are not enough resources to help with the community's growing medical health needs. Steve Clifton, director of the Fremont County Department of Human Services, said the county spends an annual of $8.5 million on food stamps. Five million is spent monthly in Medicaid. Between two and five babies Born, or two between two and five babies born, are born with drugs in their system, and they are taken into state custody each month locally. About sixty percent of all the local children child welfare cases involve substance abuse. Sixty-seven percent. The group Tuesday also did a spotlight on Fremont County's attributes and assess. In which they are proud of. And um, they go on to talk about just the the philanthropy part of the meeting. But I read that to you because um, in my opinion, and I'm not talking about the Word of God, so I'm going to give you my opinion, it's unacceptable. And it's unacceptable that we as believers in Jesus Christ who have the true answer, the true hope for these people would sit back and allow our health and human services and our police department to bear this burden alone. They don't know what to do. They really don't. They can sit around and talk about it, but they don't have the answers. As a matter of fact, most people in the medical department in the medical field, mental health, when they come to these problems or these kids that have been abused or struggling with getting off drugs and alcohol, or even those in our community, when when they come to it, they don't know what to do, and so they they either lock them up or they prescribe um, other medications. And when I mean that it's unacceptable, I'm not I'm not one. To just stand up here and say, this is unacceptable, we should do something, without telling you that we're going to do something. I don't know exactly what that is yet, and we may think that this is an overwhelming problem for just our little church to to, uh, deal with, but if we don't stand up and begin to try to deal with these problems in our community as individuals then corporately it will never be done, whether it's just our church or other churches in the community. Now, the vision that I have for this to begin with is is that I do believe that we need to have a, a, a meeting not with the philanthropy people, but I think we need to have a meeting and try to organize a meeting with other churches and other Christian believers in this community who recognize the problem and will be willing to do whatever God leads us in. And so I'm bringing this to your attention this morning because I'm going to ask that you guys would pray about being involved in that. And, and I don't know the vehicle, but we know the problem, and we know what the answer is, right? We know the problem. We know what the answer is. We just have to figure out how God would lead us to invest in our community to try to be a help to the problems that we're facing as a, as a community. Um. And so please pray about that. There's a couple people in the church who already are expressing interest. We're going to try to, I'm going to speak to them. We're going to set something up in the next couple few weeks and, and, and pray about it. And then invite um, you guys and the rest of the, the churches, I think, in the community to come and be a part of what I would hope be a movement of God to take back um, uh, our city, so to speak, from, from the grip of Satan in this way it's sad. And we have, because we have the knowledge and we know what the problem is, we have the answers. All we have to do is be willing to, to raise our hand and to answer like the prophet Isaiah and go, here I am, Lord, send me. And if you're willing to be a part of that, um, keep your ears open and um, be praying about even things that God might lay on your heart or reveal to you that we could do. Um, to start making a difference in our community and and helping those who are feeling like they have um, no answers to take care of these problems that we have. So, um, if you'll open up your Bible this morning to the book of Genesis. I'm going to read chapter 1, and um, I don't think there's any better way to begin but by reading and praying. So, if you'll follow along, I'll read chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and that first morning were the first day. Then God said, verse 6, let there be a firmament or an expanse, that's what that means, in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters." Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were now under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth and gathered together and, and, and the gathering together of the waters, and he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so, and the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields the seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights: the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. And He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and to give rule, or to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said. Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmaments of the heaven. So God created the sea creatures, created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abound according to their kind and, and, and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good. And now verse 22, we read something different than what we've read in the previous things. Look there, it says "And verse 22, and God blessed them, saying, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea, and let the birds multiply on the earth." So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, "Let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle or cattle and creeping thing thing, and, and, and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind." And it was so. And God made the beast. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. and God saw that it was good. Then God said, verse 26, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness." <laughs> Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over all the cattle, and, and, and over the cattle over all." The earth and over all, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see? I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and every thing that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening, and the morning, were the sixth day. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for making known to us things that um, you know we need to know. Things that that um, are deep inside the, our hearts, God, that that long to know not only um, how we came into existence, but Lord, things that let us know um, who you are and of your great love for us, of our purpose and of our value to you. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak truth to us, God, that we would receive it in our hearts and in our minds, and that we would submit our will to you. Father, I pray, God, that if there is anyone here this morning who does not know you, or who, who, who is struggling with the words that have been written here, I pray, God, that you would speak truth to them and that you would give them, that you would give all of us, Lord, the faith that we need to believe and trust in you and to receive everything that you have for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look to this book, uh, first thing I want to start off by telling you uh, The first thing I want to tell you as we begin actually our study through the book of Genesis is that everything that I just read to you here, I wholeheartedly believe it 100% to be an accurate account of how God created all things. I do not believe it to be figurative. I do not believe it to be um, any metaphor representation here. I don't believe it to be um, a, a way that God has um, simplified things in order to explain it to us. I believe that God has revealed to us the truth, and this is exactly how God has brought all things into existence. And I'm also here to tell you that I have spent a lot of time personally, for my own self, um, uh, uh researching and studying and praying and seeking God um, to settle this to be a truth in my heart to where I have no doubt, none at all. And and the truth is, is I believe every word of the Bible in the same kind of way. And that's why when we went through the book of Revelation not too long ago, um, we looked at it as a literal... Um, uh, teaching, as a, as a li, all as literal events. And, and I took the time as we went through the book of Revelation to explain to you in detail While all of those things that we went through that speak about things that seem supernaturally impossible to us or events that, that seem to be um, so extraordinary that they're hard to believe. I, I went through the time to explain to you where the Bible can be trusted and explains that they too are literal things that are going to come to pass. And so I wanted to share my own belief with you, and and um, not because I want you to think that because of my belief system, I'm going to influence the Word of God as I bring it to you. I just want to let you know that it's the Word of God that influences what I believe. And I'm going to teach it simply. I'm going to allow the Word of God to be brought forth and allow the Holy Spirit of God um, to, to give birth to your own convictions of why you believe and what you believe when it comes to how all things came into existence. If you, if you have another belief system, that's fine. You can do that. There's room within this church for people to believe um, differently than I. Um, uh, you can be wrong if you want. <laughs> and if, we want, if you want to talk to me about it in detail as we go through this, please don't hesitate. I, I'm not going to beat you up and, or condemn you. Um, but if you have genuine questions and you desire to have those those questions um, uh, answered or or brought forth from uh, uh, something that you've already been taught or something that you may already believe, let's sit down as brothers in the Lord or as, or as brother and sister in the Lord and and work these things out together, and 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 we can do that in a loving and compassionate way and still not. Um, be divided uh, and still remain brothers and sisters in the Lord. So um, anytime you have questions or you want more explanation that I don't bring forth in it, um, you're free to come to me and and we'll we'll talk about um, why I've come to the conclusions that I've come based upon what God's Word says. Um, Now, I I don't want to ever give you opinion. I mean, I probably will never give you any of my opinions regarding uh, the, the truth of God's Word from up front unless I clarify it first. But as we begin to discuss things individually and personally, I may give you some opinions based upon other research that I've done that connects to what God's Word um, portrays for us. But um, I also want to encourage you that if you come to the Word of God with an open heart and an open mind, I believe that God's Word will transcend into your mind and into your heart and you can have the same confidence in the Word of God that I express to you today. It's, it's God wants you to have that. Now, I've said it a bunch as we've been studying through the book of Revelation, but the book of Genesis is a book of beginnings, just like the book of Revelation is a book of endings. And, oh, by the way, I want to let you know that I didn't always believe. I was re- raised in, in, in a religious home, and, and we went to church on Sundays. Um, and, and, and I went to, uh, actually, uh, a, a parochial school for the, the, up to the sixth grade. And so I was taught things, and what I was taught is different than what I believe now. What I was taught in regards to the Word of God and the creation count is different than what I believe now. Um, and I don't want to go into all of that, but it was only after studying God's Word and, 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 and coming to the Lord in a personal relationship and putting my faith in the things that God uh, spoke to me, it wasn't until then that I began to believe the Word of God for what it says At face value here Uh, and 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 truthfully I just want to let you know it was was a challenging thing for me to come to that place I had a lot of unanswered questions in my mind and in my heart that God and I worked out together and he used many people in my life who were very intelligent very compassionate and very understanding to come alongside me to the place where I and to, to help me get to the place where I do now believe so I didn't always believe this uh, and lots of things in the Word of God. I didn't always. I could never. I couldn't stand up here. Stand up here years and years ago, um, uh, before I was a Christian, because I really believe that that even though I went to church all the time, I wasn't a Christian for many years of my life. But um, before that, even though I had a knowledge of God, I didn't have a pure faith. I doubted a lot of things. And and and. But when God made truth known to me, I submitted my life to Him. I submitted my will to Him. And and, and God. Came full circle and, and, and given me the confidence that I have in, in, in His Word today. So much that I live my life by it as much as is, is possible with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I try to live my life by everything that the Word of God says and in accordance to it. So back to, to, to the text here. The book of Genesis, like I said, is a book of beginnings and it tells us, all, it tells us about the beginning of many things, like what we read here the, 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 the creation of the heavens and the earth, uh, all the creatures of the earth and in the sky and the sea and ultimately the creation of mankind. And this is what we read about here in chapter 1. And even though these things are what most people think about when they consider the book of Genesis, we will see that this book, is, it's really given us insights uh, into many more beginnings, as it in total is a book of beginnings. For example, we, we find and we come to have an understanding um, about the first marriage In the book of Genesis, the first children, the first family, the first civilizations, the first languages—how did all the languages that we have now come into existence? You know, where did sin originate, and how did it originate? We're told here Uh, the first sacrifices and the sacrificial system. It's is told to us here, and and ultimately, one of the most important things um, in the book of Genesis, being a book of beginnings, we have the first. Um, uh, of redemption. We see God's plan of redemption to redeem uh, us and all of creation from our sin here in the book of Genesis. But even though this book deals with the the beginning of so many things, it does not address the beginning of God. And And you might go, well, no, duh. But that's important when we read this here because verse 1 is significant. In fact, when we look at Genesis chapter 1, 1, which says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, we see that God being the creator of all things is before all things began. And there are many places in the Bible where God speaks to the fact that he has always been and will always be. For example, we look back to the end of the book of of Revelation, that we just finished last week in chapter 22, verse 13. Remember, God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6, God again says, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. So in light of having no beginning, in light of God having no beginning and having no end, that's significant to us as we begin to study through the Bible and significant to our lives as a point of understanding because if God and God is eternal before having no beginning and, and, and all the way to the end, having no end remember we talked about that a little bit too as we looked at the, the 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 account in the book of revelation where we see the new jerusalem and there's there's this there's a a mention of time in regards to the months that the tree of life will bear the fruit that 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 even in eternity you and i being eternal creatures, eternal created things, we still live within a, a, a space and time continuum. It'll be different than it is now, but we still are confined to that. God is outside of that because he's not created. He's eternal. And, 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 and when we consider this, not only is it a blow your mind, but it should bring you back to the fact that you see that he takes the position of superiority above all created things. And the fact that, that the eternal God is the creator of all things, it has many implications for us. I'm going to go over a few of those before we get into our text. The first thing to begin with is that, is that um, everything that exists is and must be under God's control. God, taking the position of superiority, being the eternal creator, everything that exists is and must be under his control. In other words, all of creation is subject to a creator, to its creator. And this includes every man and woman on the face of the earth that has ever lived down through time, even though God's given us a free will. And sometimes people mistake the, the free will we've been given as somehow to say that we're not subject or in subjection to a creator, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of people who are falsely living under that assumption today, thinking that it's all good. Can do whatever I want. I don't have to give an account or be accountable to anyone or anything. And we all know that 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 All of creation is subject to to a creator, even those of us who have been given free will, mankind. And we know this is true because the Bible teaches us that whatever a person decides to do with their free will will ultimately be brought into an account. There's a judgment day coming. That's part of the message of the book of Revelation. And, and at that time, we're told that every knee will bow and all will be called to plead their case before God. And every person will, in that moment, in that time, in that space, acknowledge God as the almighty, everlasting creator. In fact, Romans 14.10-12, uh, it tells of this. Remember, it says, For we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written... As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, a second thing of importance or another implication for us to consider in light of God being the eternal creator of all things, something for us to consider in light of that is our obedience to him. Now, that's different than subjection. Keep that in mind. In other words, with the knowledge that God is before all things and that He has made all things, we should understand that it is foolishness for us to disobey Him. To disobey Him who has created us and foolish for us to give our worship and our praise to anything or to anyone other than our Creator. Now, I'm going to give you a real lame example but here it is who here guys had a dad that ever said to you i brought you into this world and i can take you out (laughs) and 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 that's not really an apples to apple comparison to what i'm talking about but your dad was saying listen if you don't obey me you're gonna get it right i made you and i can <laughs> i can get rid of you and 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 obviously god's not up there saying that but from our point of view if there's a creator we have to understand that our obedience is important and it's foolish to not obey just like if your dad ever said that to you if you're like oh yeah go ahead and try you know how well would that go for you it would be foolish you just when your dad did that or actually it was more my mom would say that to me and um, I was more fearful of my mom than my dad in that. But anyway, the point is, is it is it's it's just common sense to say that it's to, to say that it's not foolishness in that moment of understanding when you understand there's an eternal God who created us, to say that it's that it's that it's um, that is we should not obey him. That's foolishness. Not only that, it's foolish not only for us to disobey him who created us. But it's also foolish for us to give our worship and our praise to anything or anyone other than our Creator. Listen, this is why Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And also in Proverbs 22, verse 4, it says, listen to this very carefully because I'm going to break it down. It says, by humility... By humility, let that word humility ring in your ears this morning. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Now, a simple way to define humility is to say that humility is the act of the created thing acknowledging the truth of his position as a creature And yielding to God his place as a creator. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Humility again is the act of a created thing. Acknowledging the truth of his position as creature. And yielding to God his place as creator. And the fact of the matter is, is that when we realize that there is an eternal God, an all-powerful God who has created us, humility can be our only true response. Us, the creature, yielding to God, His place as creator. Now, the book of Genesis, as we move on, is one of five books that were written by Moses. Moses. These books are the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And together they are referred to in the Hebrew as the, the Pentateuch or the Torah. And with this in mind, I want to point out that all of, scripture, all of Scripture has been given to us by inspiration of God. That means that even though Moses wrote these things down, he did so as he was moved by God the Holy Spirit who is the author of the entire Bible. Therefore, it's right to conclude that these words are the words of God. It's one of the reasons why I believe them. Because undoubtedly I have settled in my heart that these are the words of God. They're not the words of man. They are the words of the Creator. And who better to be able to let us know how all things came into existence but by the One who created all things? They are not the words or the suggestions of man, and as the words of God, each and every word of God serves a divine purpose. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 declares this, and it says, it says, All of Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's just the first part of that. That statement it has implications as well, as well. That truth holds value or application to our life. All of Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable. That word inspiration is literally God breathed. God spoke it forth. And it is profitable, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, the study of God's Word, what we're doing today, and what you guys should be doing every morning or every day on your own, is is that the study of God's Word is for the purpose of learning in order that we may apply or do what we have learned. Okay? The study of God's Word is for the purpose of learning in order that we may apply or do what we have learned. You ever met a really smart dummy? Someone who's really smart but they just can't do anything. Well, that that's the danger in studying God's word. You don't want to be a, a, an intellectual in the Word of God and be a spiritual dummy. And so when a truth is made clear to our minds, you see, our will and our heart must respond to that truth. When a truth is made clear to our mind, our will and our heart must respond to that truth. However, learning is not incomplete. It's never complete. Learning is never complete until we take action, right? Right? Let me explain that. Learning is never complete until we take action and do what we have been what we've learned, to do what we've been taught. For example, if a person desires to play the guitar today, they might read a book or look at an online video that teaches us how to play the guitar. But no one can honestly say that they're now a musician. Who plays the guitar if all they've ever done is read the book and watched a video on how to play it. If I came to Justin this week and say, dude, I really want to be on the worship team. I was on YouTube. I watched a video. Justin, I watched a video. I bought a guitar. i going to be on the worship team. I can play it. I can do it. You know, Justin would never let me on the worship team anyway. But, um, it would be nonsense. You see, no one can honestly say they're now a musician who plays the guitar if, they've ever, if all they've ever done is just read a book, right? If all they've ever done is just read a book, or if they, all they've ever done is watched a video on how to do it. This is because our learning is not complete until we've done the thing which we have been taught to do. The same is true in regards to the Word of God. And to God's word. Paul wrote to Timothy telling him that the entire Bible in 2 Timothy is authored by God, right? Inspired by God. God breathed by the Holy Spirit. And it serves the purpose of teaching us doctrine, correcting us, rebuking us, or instructing us so that we may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work, the doing that God has appointed for us. The point is, God's word, it teaches us truth so that we may do and obey There's a point, there's an obedience in our life that is required as a result of a knowledge that is given to us. A truth that is being revealed to us. This is why knowledge, the things that God's Word teaches us, cannot be separated from our obedience. The doing. So as we study God's Word and truths are made known to our minds and our heart, we need to understand that with the knowledge we gain our obedience being a doer is essential in order to complete the process that God wants to do in us and through us. Now, as you look back to verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And as we begin to move through this first chapter, I want to point out that there are many people who cannot get past this very verse in the Bible, this first verse. They just can't get past it in faith or believe it. They can't receive it. And this is because they're unwilling to accept the fact that God created the heavens and the earth and that He did it in six days, just like the Bible tells us, as we've read here in Genesis chapter 1. And in many cases, a person's unwillingness to accept the truth is nothing more than an unwillingness, here's the word again, an unwillingness to humble themselves before God. God. Remember that definition. They can't get past the first verse of the Bible, not because of an intellectual problem, but because of a heart problem. They're unwilling, as a creature, to acknowledge them themselves as a created thing and submit themselves to God the Creator because of the issue of subjection and obedience. We're told this in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. It declares it by saying that that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. I don't care what lie it is. There's many different lies out there that people exchange for the truth of God. It says, and they worship and serve the creature rather than creator who is blessed forever. You know, before I was a believer, the biggest creature that I had a problem serving and worshiping was myself. I was an idolater of a worship of self. What Sean wanted, what Sean desired, that's what Sean did at the expense of everything and anyone else. I worshiped the creature myself rather than the creator who was blessed forever. And the fact of the matter is if we ever find ourselves in disagreement with God's word or that we find ourselves in the place where our opinion doesn't line up with the truth spoken in God's word, you know what? It's never God's word that needs to change. It's our opinions and our heart that needs to change. That's what we're being told here. And, and, and if we can't come into agreement with the, the, the very opening statement of the Bible, if we can't this morning come into an agreement with the Bible, with what the Bible says here, in verse 1, chapter 1, at the very beginning, you know it is going to be very, very, very difficult for us to accept any of the verses that follow. Now sadly, there are even many Christians who disregard this verse. And they disregard others in this chapter that detail how God created and they and they, they disregard it as something other than a literal historical account. They say, surely it's got to mean something else. It's got to, it's God's got it's it's just it's just a means by which God is helping us understand something that's not understandable. And I was, that's really one of the things that I was told as a kid growing up. And I always just think, you mean to tell me God who created everything? You say that he did that, but you just don't agree with the way that, he's, that the Bible says that he did it because of whatever? You, you want me to believe that, that God who did is is all-powerful and did all these wonderful things can't explain to me how he did it accurately? It doesn't, doesn't seem like a very powerful God to me then. It just never makes sense. But anyway, um, the truth is, is when, when when people or even believers don't accept this as a little historical account, they're left to one thing. They're left to offer up their own interpretation of what they think we are being told here. But there is no place in this chapter, I'm here to tell you, there is no place in this chapter, I've read it. A thousand times. I've studied it over and over again. I read it to you verse by verse, word upon word, line upon line, to you this morning. If you if you see something I don't see, then please bring it to me. But in, in my evaluation, there's no place in this chapter where we're ever led to believe that these things are not literal events. Or that we should receive it as something other than a literal historical account and because of that we should receive it simply and like i said last week we should believe it completely remember second peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21 says we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart knowing first that no prophecy literally no part of scripture no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The the point is, is God intends for us to believe the words He has given us within the context of how it has been given. His word is never up for our private opinions or private interpretations. This means when the Bible refers to an event as an actual account, it will tell us just like we see here in regards to the creation. Likewise, when the Bible speaks of something in a figurative way or in an illustrative way, it also needs to be taken in that way. And the Bible tells us when it's doing this. And it's often done through what we're familiar with as, 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 uh, in, in, in the grammatic side of things with, with, with metaphors or similes. Now, I don't want to turn this Bible study into an English lesson, but I want to point out that a metaphor is this. A metaphor is an implied comparison between two things that are basically unlike. For example, God is our rock. That's a metaphor. And a simile is much like a metaphor except that the comparison is usually expressed by using words um, like or as. For example, same kind of thought process, but a simile rather than a metaphor is God is like a rock. Now, as you can see, both of these examples are clearly speaking to the nature of God or the attributes of God. They are not telling us that our God is literally a piece of stone, is it? You're like, no, no duh. I mean, it's pretty obvious. And the point is, is it would be wrong for us to interpret something to be literal when figurative language is used. And it would be wrong to interpret something as figurative, likewise, in the same manner, when it's being represented as something literal. And along and and these along with the other, many other. Basic rules of grammar, they must be used in order to correctly and accurately interpret Scripture. We do it all the time in any kind of literature that we read. We apply basic grammatic rules. If you don't know what they are, speak to Allison. She's wonderful in that area. But as we look at these things and consider these things and we take Scripture in light of it, we must come to the conclusion that the creation cre- account is presented in a literal or as a literal historical event and because of that we should receive it in that way but if we're unwilling to receive the bible's creation record as a literal account we will be left only up to our own private interpretation and go deal with second peter if you want to about that i've already read it to you and in doing so we risk the fear of god When you do that, if you bring your own private interpretation to Genesis chapter 1, you risk the fear of God. You risk the loss of humility. You risk losing the understanding that we are the creature and that God is the creator. And in doing so, we risk losing the the, the point where we yield our lives to God as creator. Now, when we consider the creation account that's detailed here in verses 2 on through... Really, verse 25, um, it's necessary to point out that there are many theories, right? There are many theories as to how everything came into existence, how it all began. But think about it like this. Because the fact of the matter is, is, is all of these theories can be boiled down to fit into two classifications, whatever one you can think of, okay? They can be boiled down into two simple classifications. One is creation. The other is speculation. Think about it. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way just to put down and dismiss other thoughts out there, but if you really boil it down, you have creation and you have speculation in every avenue, in every way. And I'm not going to spend a bunch of time this morning giving you evidences for the creation account and or evidences against these different speculations that are out there. But as we continue through the really through the 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, I will take many opportunities to give evidences to do that, but not this morning. Nevertheless, when it comes to the issue of how all things come into existence, I am going to acknowledge this truth. Faith has to be a part of the equation. It does. Faith has to be a part of the equation. When it comes to the issue, let me say it again, when it comes to the issue of how all things come into existence, faith has to be part of the equation, considering there's no one who was there to witness it firsthand. However, I want to assure you that we Christians who choose to believe in a literal 6-day creation, I'm here to tell you we have a reasonable faith. We have a reasonable faith. In fact, I believe it's more reasonable to believe in creation than it is to believe in any of the other speculations that are out there. More reasonable. A faith, we have a faith. We have a faith that takes God at his word, number 1. If, if you can't trust God, who can you trust, right? We have a faith that trusts God at His Word. We have a faith that testifies to our intellect as we consider the evidences of things not seen. Let me say that again. If you believe in a literal six-day creation account, not only do you have a faith that takes God at His word. You have a faith that testifies to our intellect, to our brain, as we consider the evidences of things not seen. And we also have a reasonable faith that does not simply appeal to our emotions. In short, we have a biblical faith as described in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1-3, through 3, which says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders... Obtain a good testimony, and by faith we understand. Listen, it says it right here. By faith we understand. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. In other words, God, by the fact that God spoke it and it happened, just like it says here. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen we're not made of things which are visible. Now, the book of Genesis, as we begin to, to give you reason to believe in the Word of God, because that's where it starts. The book of Genesis is one of 66 books, right? Which have been written by 40 different authors. And and these, 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 these 66 books by 40 different authors have been um, written over a 1,600-year time frame. And together, these books make up the Bible. The amazing thing about this is that even with all of the multiple authors and the multiple books, which span over 1,600 years, there is not one contradiction in the whole book. In fact, From the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, all the way to the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, there is a continued theme, right? A continued theme that seamlessly flows together. And it is a theme that tells of the story of God's grace, of God's love, and God's desire. (laughs) God's desire to redeem creation back to Him. And even though the Bible does not claim to be a book of science, Okay. Let me say that again. Even though the Bible does not claim to be a book of science, it does make scientific claims. It makes scientific claims. As a matter of fact, it's making one right here in what we just read. That's a scientific claim. And whenever a scientific claim is made in the Bible, like what we see here in regards to the explanation of how things all came, in, came into existence, the Bible has always been without error in every scientific claim that it's made. It's always been without error. It's dependable. It's never been proven wrong. The word, key word there is proven. There are many theories and opinions and thoughts out there that contradict what God's word claims, but it's never been proven wrong, ever. Let me give you some examples. For example, on August 3rd, 1492, an Italian explorer by the name of Christopher Columbus sailed out of the Spanish port of Apollos, and he sailed out of there with the hope of discovering a new land, and he had a belief system that that led him to believe that the world was not flat. Well, that belief system, everything that he put himself into, that belief system that the world was not flat was contrary to the scientific beliefs or theories up to that time. That's less than 600 years ago, guys. We, so smart of a human race, believe that the world was flat all the way up to less than 600 years ago. Yet the Bible, a couple thousand years prior to Columbus sailing the ocean blue in 1492, the Bible, a couple thousand years prior to that, proving the scientific world wrong when Columbus sailed, he proved it, Right? The Bible documented and claimed a scientific fact by telling us that the earth is a, sphere, is a sphere. The Bible's always made that claim. One of the places that this is found, just one is in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 through 22, where it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the very beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. Another example of the Bible... Being right in his scientific claims can be found in the book of Job, chapter 26, verse 7, where it says, God stretches out the north over empty space and he hangs the earth on nothing. Now, for you and I today, this seems insignificant. We've sent men into space. We've seen that the world is just kind of, the earth is just kind of hanging there, right? On Nothing. However, just like mankind used to once believe that the earth was flat, mankind also used to believe that the world was held up by many different things, right? Some believe that it rested on the backs of giant elephants. Apart from God, men are foolish, right? Others believe that the earth rested on the backs of giant tortoises, and even the advanced Greek culture believed that the earth rested upon the massive shoulders of Atlas. That Atlas held up the earth. Yet in the book of Job, which some believe to be the oldest book in the Bible, it tells us a scientific fact by declaring that the earth hangs upon nothing. Nothing. The point is, even though the Bible has never been proven wrong with any scientific claims that it has made, many still excuse, many still dismiss the truths within it just because man has not yet been able to prove it in a lab. But we must remember that a person's unwillingness to believe what God makes known to us isn't always about evidence, isn't always about lack of proof. In Romans chapter 1, verses 20-22, through 22, the Apostle Paul writes and he says... He says, listen, ever since God created the world, His invisible qualities, both His eternal power and His divine nature, have been clearly seen. They are perceived in the things that God has made. So those people have no excuse at all. They know God, but they do not give to Him the honor that He belongs, nor do they thank Him. Instead, their thoughts have have become complete nonsense. And their empty minds are filled with darkness. They say they are wise, but they are fools. You know, we're just going to have to end here. So if Justin and and Rich want to come up, I'm just going to close with this and we'll get back into it. But promise you guys, we're going to stay here until we finish or the Lord comes back. So it may seem like we're ending abruptly, but I don't want to just gloss over any of this. And I know we've not really got into any more of the verses except verse 1. But I wanted to really establish this foundation for you because... It's important for us to have clarity as we go forward into this, this discussion. See, these words that I, I just read to you out of the book of Romans, chapter 1, these words reveal, reveal to us that the issue at hand is not really an intellectual issue, but rather a heart issue. What do you believe? Who are you going to believe in? What are you going to put your faith in? You see, it's not, it's not for lack of evidence it's not lack of evidence for why or for, for, for um, well, let me put it this way. Paul in Romans makes it very clear that it's not lack of evidence um, in creation that testifies to the fact that there's a creator. It's everywhere around us. All of creation testifies. There's evidence everywhere. And we're told that a person's heart or a person's reason for not believing is really an issue of lack of honor. It's a heart of a created man or a created woman that will not come into the authority or under the authority of its creator. And this is why these verses, along with many other than the Bibles, are not believed. They're dismissed. They're excused. They're explained away. They're offered other suggestions in man's wisdom of what God was really trying to explain to us here. As we, as we kind of wrap it up, I want to point out to you that in verses 26 through 30, it goes on to speak that God's created us in our image, in His image. And um, I, 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 I don't have time to go into all of that, but I just want to point out to you that the creation account, creation versus any other theory of suggestion out there, creation is the only one that places value on human life, and purpose for mankind. If you want to look at things that distinguish creation from all the others, that at the root is it. You see, and that's because God created us with value, and He created us with purpose. And all the other suggestions out there and theories are lies that come from the pit of hell, and it comes from Satan who is a liar and is a thief and is a murderer, and he has no value and no purpose for human life, for our life. But yet God created us with value and with purpose. And I'll encourage you to come back next week and bring some friends so as we start to break down this creation historical count. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you created us in your image with value and with purpose. God, help us to see our value in you, in you and help us to see the purpose that we have as your created being. God, we love you. We thank you for giving us life. We thank you, God, that you only created us, but you sustain us. You sustain all life, Lord, and then our lives are in your hands, and we again submit them to you. We humble ourselves before you, God, and we pray, God, that our lives would be taken into your hands and used in a way that you see fit. Father, give us a heart that's willing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys stand, and we sing the last song of worship together.